What's up, guys? Back at it for episode 19. I have a good friend, a colleague of a colleague of a colleague that I just realized. Uh, uh, Don, his, his IG name is AD Speaks. Yeah. He's a, a motivational speaker, but he's authentic in his, in his motivating people. And I'm a firm believer just from a 10-minute conversation from yeah, him that yeah, yeah. he's not going to talk to you if he hasn't applied what he's talking to you about. So... You know me, I, I feel for that. I'm that type of guy, so introduce yourself, tell everybody who you are, what you do, what you're about, uh, where you're from. Okay, um, so Adonis Mitchell, that's my government name, if you will. I go uh, affectionate by AD. Yep. Uh, the yep. name of one of the companies that I am a uh, co-founder for is uh, AD Speaks. Uh, I do have a non-profit organization that I'm a part of as well, the CCM Foundation which is in honor of my late mother who passed away in 2017. Mm. Um, what I do, I am someone who is geared to making or assisting people in becoming the best versions of themselves. Mm. So with motivational speaking and consulting, I'm able to hit that on many different platforms, whether it's a one-on-one connection, a uh, group sit-down with relationship-based principles, yeah. um, whether it is development for the youth and you know young adults that I come into contact with, or even at the corporate level, I have different businesses that I am consulting with this year and that um, I'm looking to add on to for uh, years and years to come. Yeah. So, um, what did you? Uh, how did you know that you wanted to start your own nonprofit organization and? I guess motivate people. How did all of this come along? Well, the so the nonprofit organization is uh, is standalone from what I do with AD Speaks. Um, yeah. I'll start with AD Speaks because that kind of started first. Uh, I've been speaking in some sense since, since two thousand, off and on since two thousand six, but really it became a full time thing two thousand eight. Yeah. I started out in my local church, uh, Silver Lake Church out in Pearland, and it went from doing Sunday school every week to developing and you know kind of spearheading our young adult ministry around mm-hmm. 2010 um, to kind of just working with the youth department, uh, going from you know church lock-ins to you know youth yeah. events, conferences. Yeah. Um, Retreats, all of that was in my repertoire, and that was uh-huh. what we focused on uh, with the youth department. When it came to my transition to when I was with the young adult ministry, it was really about fulfilling a, a need that we had because we had, you know, kids in school, and once they graduated from high school and went off to college, we really didn't have a space for them to be transparent, yeah. open, because uh, they were too old to be in Sunday school classes mm-hmm. with, you know, their high school counterparts, and they felt like they were kind of disconnected from the adults that were in the uh, main service force. So we started a weekly powwow, if you will, kind of a small connect group where we talked about a lot of things. Uh, we were very transparent with Did a lot of the struggles that we were going through at that time. Uh, it was very interesting because I was probably younger than a lot of the people that were in that group, but a lot of them looked towards me for you know, advice and you know, counseling or whatever. Uh, and that's kind of where AD Speaks stemmed off and kind of got life. Mm. Um, started working with different schools in the Pearland area, uh, doing some devotionals with the, t- with the uh, football teams there. Mm-hmm. And um, 
even that transition to actually working with different events, um, speaking there, and it's kind of all blossoms in where we are right now. Good, good, good. Okay. Um, and you're from Houston? Yes. Originally from north side of Houston, uh, Angus Holmes area. Okay. Uh, started off, uh, well, we moved around a lot. So yeah. I'm from Houston. Yeah. I was born and raised. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. It's, it's, it's so many. It's so many oh, different no, no. Uh, spots or different areas or hoods, you want to call it, that yeah. you can you know claim. Uh, my family started off in South Park, Sunnyside area. Okay. Uh, my grandmother moved to East Texas. We followed my mother and her. What we part of East Texas? Uh, Henderson. Henderson, okay, yeah. I uh, went to TJC. Okay. Did two years up there. Almost day three. <laughs> yeah. But came back, so I know Henderson. So that's what's up. That's yeah, cool. so we went to, uh, South Park to East Texas, and then uh, my mother and father got back together, and then we moved to Dallas. Oh, and how then, was that? Uh, moving from East Texas to Dallas, it was cool. I was young, so I was, you know, just excited to, you know, be in, uh, be in you know, have my mom and dad back together. Yeah. Uh, have a younger brother that was just born. Another one was on the way. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was all fun because for for years I was quote unquote the only child. Yeah. So that was that was a little complex. Um, what part of Dallas did y'all stay in? So we lived in the Richardson area. Yeah. Kind of near Plano, but in yeah. between Richardson and Plano. Yeah. Um, yeah like Mesquite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of on the outskirts. Yeah, I got some buddies. Uh, I got a, actually uh, one of my closest uh, friends. He's a frat brother of mine. He uh, stays in Mesquite, but he's moving. He was telling me he's moving to Richardson, or that's mm -hmm. where he stays. Dallas is a confusing city for me. <laughs> Very. Because it's like, <laughs> like Houston makes sense. Some mm -hmm. neighborhoods are like River Oaks, mm -hmm. and then you got South Park. That mm -hmm. makes sense. And then Pearland, and then you got, you know, Alameda. Exactly. Dallas is like Frisco, uh, Oak Cliff. Duncanville, it's like all in all one. right there. Yes, yeah, yeah. all in one, and you don't never know where you are. The it's the same like, act like architectural mm -hmm. designs, but it could be in a different yeah. part. Yeah, you're like not, urban you're not looks confuse, like Duncanville. You're not gonna confuse the different spots in Houston, like you were saying. Yeah, yeah. You go Dallas to River Oaks, you go to Noah's River Oaks. You go to you go to Southwest or you know A Leaf. Yeah. You don't know if you're in A Leaf. Yeah, but see, even A Leaf is different from Bissonette and Fonda. Mm -hmm. It's it's southwest and then it's the west. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's 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 different. I don't I don't understand what they were thinking when they were building Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Because then you even you, you zoom out and you yeah. have Dallas, then you have Irving, you have Arlington, then you have Fort Worth, VFW. This is all yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Arlington and Irving look the same if you're driving through. You don't even know. You can't tell that you're transitioning from one city to the next. Then the highways all go in the same direction. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your HOV, or if you're going down the turnpike, right. or if you're still on 45, I, that's the only thing that confuses me about Dallas. I'm just like, you know what, I'm not going to go. Yeah, there. we'll just stick with Houston. We'll yeah, for Houston. sure. For sure. We'll just stick with Houston. So then, uh, around 2000, we moved back to uh, Houston so that my father could um, kind of develop and rebuild a relationship with his two younger daughters. Okay. Um, so the family packed up, moved from Dallas to Houston. That's when we moved to the north side of Houston. Yeah. Lived in Agus Homes, went to Shotwell Middle School. Um, yeah, I know Shotwell. And then from there, I went to Eisenhower. Okay. And after my 
like the first semester of my freshman year yeah. is when we made the transition to Pearland. Yeah. And I did not want to make that move at yeah. all. So I'm thinking like the early 90s, mid 90s, <laughs> in between that north side, south side uh, yeah, standoff. It, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. It, I mean, it wasn't even that. It was. It was more so just the culture shock because being being at, at Eisenhower. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a it's a smaller school, and even though you have schools, a lot of middle schools feeding into it, like you know, Shotwell, mm-hmm. um, I think, um, Stovall, all those yeah. other schools feed into it, and you're you're connected with so many different people. Yeah. Moving to Pearland, I didn't know anybody. Um, it was a predominantly white area. Yeah. Where as in Eggers Homes, it was, it was predominantly a minority. Yeah. And that was just, it was a complete shock. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, Paralina's big. It's it's uh, um, Dawson, Thurgood Marshall, Willow Ridge side, Paralina, you know, yeah. like Crow Chase, yep. Maryland, Mo City, Paralina. And then there's Paralina, mm-hmm. like Alvin High School going yeah. out to 288, the other side 288. And I was, so I was fortunate enough to move there before all the development stuff took yeah. place. Because we moved there in like 2000, I want to say Three. So it was just two thousand three. Yeah, hey. it was it was new. We did, the, the mall wasn't there. Yeah, uh, the movie theater, Cinemark wasn't there. It was yeah. just the Walmart, uh, the Home Depot had just got put up. That's right off of five eighteen. Oh, uh, it was it was like still country kind of. Yeah, uh, which was cool because I like living in East Texas, but yeah. it was still like man, I'm I'm leaving all my friends. I'm leaving. Yeah. Uh, you know the comfort that I had at Eisenhower. Yeah, the bus don't even ride. This the way. gosh, don't uh, get me started on that. Yeah, it stops at six ten. Uh, what Maine? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not not even Metro. Cause so in yeah. in Alden we had we had athletic buses that yeah. would come like on the second, like you know if the school died at three o'clock, you'd have your first round of buses, and then around like four thirty five o'clock, you'd have the athletic bus that would come. Parallel didn't have that. Yeah. So if you didn't have a, had yeah. a car, if you didn't have a car, mom and dad had to come pick you up. You had to hitch a ride, or walk, or walk, hit walk home. Uh, and it wasn't like you lived in no. walking distance from the high school. So no, I know, I know, I know. I think I went to Pearland like months ago, and the most I'm familiar with Pearland is the shopping centers right mm-hmm. there on 288. Yeah. I've never went past. Yeah. But apparently, going past, that's when you're in Pearland. Oh yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah. This is unfamiliar. I don't yeah. like all this. So. That's exactly how it was. I, so, I rather not. Yeah. So uh, moving to Pearland was a, a big transition. Yeah. Um, I'm thankful for it because I met a lot of people that I'm you know friends with to this day. Uh, some of them that you know just well on, was on the trip that we just came back from for my wife's yeah. birthday. Um, met her at Pearland. We became best friends there, oh. and transitioned from there. You said you went to TJC. I went to Blinn. Yeah. Um, played football there for two years, came home. Um, and then that's really when I started going deep into working at church. Yeah. That was really kind of what led me into speaking. Yeah. Church. Um, what you majoring? Did you graduate from school here or? So, so graduated from Pearland. Uh-huh. Went to Blinn. Uh, started off. <laughs> That's start, Started off pre med. Yeah. Because I was gonna. I had this idea to be an anesthesiologist because of my mom, bless her heart. Yeah. Um, 
and then I went transitioned into kinesiology because I want to be a kinesi major so I can be a coach. Yeah. Like every football player uh, or athlete at that time. Yeah. Uh, used that, and when I came back home, I actually was training for about three years before, well, two years before I went to Oklahoma to finish playing football. Oh, Oklahoma State or OU? Small school, neither one. It was uh, <laughs> oh, okay. it was uh, Bacon College. It's in a small little country town in Muskogee, Oklahoma. Yeah, they're uh, like what D three? No, it's smaller than that. It's NAI school. NAI. Mm-hmm. Oh, small school, private. small school, small. It was a private school. Yep. They um, <laughs> Yeah, it, played football there. Um, Coaching staff got fired. I was like, yeah. I, this really? Is, yeah, this is too much. The same year you were there? No, uh, the year. So after my first year up there, coaching staff got fired. Um, and because it was a Christian private school mm. out of state, um, they were scholarship stuff was getting a little, little touch and go. So I was like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going back home. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going back home because I'm not paying. Uh, Seventy thousand dollars to eat noodles. Yeah, three times a day. Not doing that. Yeah. Not doing that. Seven days a week, twenty-one times a day. Yeah, yeah. the cost, the cost of uh, the cost of tuition for a semester was extravagant. Oh yeah, I I that's like the most backwardest thing just in our society. We push education, mm-hmm. but we push it in an unrealistic sense. Yeah, we. I, I think the biggest thing is we really only push going to a. a prominent four-year program or institution and like my when I when I talk to a lot of the you know kids that are in transition education is important it is but um, education is not limited to going to University of Houston or University of Texas you can go to community college you can go to a trade school there are a lot of different things you can go to the military you can Uh go do a lot of different things to advance yourself on an educational uh, level but uh, don't just be limited to getting yourself in excessive amounts of debt just so you can have a piece of paper that everybody else is going to have when you go yeah. to another institution. Yeah. I always uh, preach find what you do because just like you, I uh, I didn't go straight to college after I got out of high school. I actually was in limbo. Not even in limbo. The senior semester, the second semester of my senior year in high school, me and my mom really battled mm-hmm. with where I was supposed to go. I wanted to go to Southern because I'm, I was a musician. I still am, and I was heavy in the drums. So mm-hmm. my cousin was there. She was like, come to Southern, you love it, you know, the HBC thing. Right. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to party, just live life. And my mom was like, nah, go to Barber College. Right. And I was like, what? Mama, don't know if I'm going to cut hair. <laughs> but uh, for real, I was like, bro, what the hell? What is this? And right. so, I mean, just talking to my grandfather before he passed, he was like, son, if you if you trust your mother, if you trust me, just go ahead and go. It's gonna work out for you. I was like, all right, it's the right thing to do, and I'll just do it. Went to Barber College, did a year, then went to Tyler for two years, and I still was like, oh, I'm gonna be a musician and music teacher. I'm gonna do this, and I got my fears to play, like I wanted to all year long. Mm-hmm. Then after that, I was like, you know, I'm tired of playing <laughs> at this level because right. we did um. Like competitive competition, and that's different than yeah. playing for a passion. football game. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's and different. so that competitive level by year two, I was so accustomed to the the run and like the cut and drive. Oh, we got to perform here. Oh, we got to perform here. Oh, we got twelve hour practice. This that, and the other. I was so accustomed to it after my 
after my first year that it was like I'm not even challenging myself. Mm-hmm. I'm just simply relying on talent and ability. And I was like, you know, I don't like that. And I still was cutting hair in college, but just like just to make fifty, you know, seventy dollars here and there. Mm-hmm. But I got home, got in the barber shop, and my mom was like, I think not even that. I didn't even have plans to come cut in the shop. Mm-hmm. I was chilling on the couch on my twenty first birthday. I was like, man, I'm twenty one now. I'm with the dog. <laughs> Go get me something to drink. Everybody was at work, and that's the only thing I was thinking about. When I got when my mom got home, she said, all right. You got to get a job. Mm-hmm. You can't sit on the couch and eat chips and watch TV all day. Everybody in this house is working. So you have to get a job. So I got so in the barbershop. Yeah. yeah, I got in the barbershop. And it was rough my first year and a half, too. And then through that, I got a chance to be a teacher's aide. Mm-hmm. And I was working all day. It was hourly, but I loved it because it showed me a lot of stuff. And then that transitioned to another school where I got into a more prominent sub role, still TA, but I'm salary. And I figured out, okay, teaching is my thing. And and recently I had to step back from it because of seasonal things. My season is up in that, you know, that role so I can focus on school. Mm-hmm. And then all that I learned, you know, you just got to figure out what works for you. And it takes time finding that. Right. And when you find it. Then you you know you you pedal to the metal and then you kind of just work efficiently to get what you need to be in the position you need to be in. So that's why I always tell people, man, just go at your own pace, figure out what works for you. Cause yeah, yeah. I think you start and then change. Definitely, I think we uh, with social media we have a tendency to compare our lifestyle to everybody else's highlight reel. Yeah, and it, we don't realize that this person. While they may post that they live in their best life, quote unquote, yeah, uh, living they lavish. probably struggling or living paycheck to paycheck, or still don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Well, they're in mom's house, or they're in mom's plates. house, and they're not paying no bills. Yes, so they can go do all this stuff that you know yeah. you're not you're not seeing it. So you don't, um, and people aren't people are afraid to admit that because of the acceptance that they got from falsifying themselves. Oh yeah, yeah. That like we were saying before, I think the the circle of people that we are connected with are really about being authentic and being honest with the struggles that we may have had, the the lifestyle that we have now, but we don't discredit what we went through to get to where we are at this place, this this present moment, and we are still, you know, pressing towards a mark that's ahead of us. So I think that that's, that's crucial. Yeah, with the people that you kick it with. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But social media, watching social media all day gets you, it'll get you in trouble. Oh man, I I stay away from it. I actually told myself, I said, you know what, for a while I'm gonna just sit still. Because, and I was talking to my cousin about it the other day on New Year's Day, we were talking about just taking trips because you know, everybody likes to frequently drive somewhere that's a few hours and come right. back. Just and to get away. I, yeah, just to get away. It's, it's thrilling. It's it's fulfilling when you do it. And um, I was telling him, I said, I've gotten to the point when my wife and I were dating that it was some trips I would ride. I enjoyed the trip because of the getaway. Mm-hmm. But it was sometimes I would ride for like an hour straight, no music, no nothing, just driving. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of channel my thoughts and see what I'm thinking about. And he said, and he was saying, you know, sometimes I just like that. I just like, that was the best part of the drive. And I told him, I said, man, I'm I'm like that too. And I'm understanding that 
I got to de-plug from social media and my phone, per se, to uh, really channel my thoughts. I don't have to, like, read intently or do something to keep me distracted, but really try to, you know, categorize what I'm thinking mm-hmm. so I'm not just everywhere over the place. So. Yeah, I've being able to disconnect is important. Is yeah. It's definitely important, I think. But, again, with the fast-paced nature that we have. Yeah, like you were saying earlier. Always trying to, you know, one-up somebody else or you know, keep up with the Joneses, if you will. Yeah. It's a lot easier to really get in touch with yourself when you disconnect from everybody else. Yeah. And that's all social media really is, everybody else. Um, I think so many people are not in tune with who they are or what their their purpose is, uh, what their talents are, what their gifts are that they're trying to be somebody else or do what somebody yeah. else is doing. They don't know their role. Exactly. They're trying to be a carbon copy of somebody else rather than being an original version of themselves. Yep. Yeah, and there's no substance. I always talk about that. And that's what kind of birthed what I'm doing now is mm-hmm. just the for the next generation or who's looking because, you know, it was a process that I'm going through or that and that I went through to really, like, figure out who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing. And in realizing some things, I'm like, you know what? I would love to share with mm-hmm. everybody else, you know, my personal story or somebody else's personal story. Because, like I said, in seeing the world through somebody else's eyes, like we agreed on, can help you kind of channel and categorize things. And in this society, that's where we live. I, um, I, I have guys I know that that are, you know, just blinged out. Mm-hmm. You know, Balenciaga down, but they stay <laughs> with their mama and them. Their credit score is 540. Right. And it's not to say that they're a terrible person. Right. But it's like priorities, priorities and, you know, pleasures. And, you know, does that really hold weight? Or is it just you have everything designer or your your hypies? I... I personally try not to be a hype mm-hmm. so if something new comes out new book new movie new show new you know mixtape I really started with like mixtapes I was never like oh I gotta be the first person to hear it so I can get my two cents no. right. I let it settle and then when I'm ready mentally to digest whatever is new then I accept it on my own terms yeah I'm the same way but um yeah so the the most recent yeah depiction would be the so my wife and I got new phones yeah um, I had an iPhone 6 and she had a I think she had the 8 yeah and she was trying to get new phones before uh, the end of the year yeah and I was like I'm good I, my phone works yeah. um, I got I can take good pictures my storage on there is fine so she was really pushing getting a new 10 and I was like if you want to get the 10 that's fine I'm just I don't I don't need to yeah. get the new 10 um, so before we went on the trip, <laughs> she surprised me by going, you know, telling me to meet her at the AT&T store because uh, she wanted to get new phones. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool, no problem. I thought I was going to, you know, help her with getting yeah. her phone. She's like, yes, yeah, so I got one for you too. I was like, oh, uh, okay, cool. Yeah. Now I got two phones. Yeah. Yeah. One of them is just for calling, and the other one has been turned into an iPod. So, yeah, really? <laughs> you know, um, I, I've never been... Well, I'll take that back. I, there was probably a stage in my life in between my 20s, early 20s, where I had to get the newest thing, right? Yep. 
and a lot of my because mentors we believe that it's important, right? And that's that's what society feeds us. Uh, and along my throughout my maturation process, I've come to realize that I I don't need all those things. All those things are wants. Um, but when you become in touch with who you are as a person, that's when you realize those things. Yeah. Uh, there was a point in time where I had tons of suits, I had tons of you know shoes or whatever, and I think the suit thing was something that was passed down generationally, mm-hmm. because you know our parents, you know, they always wore they suits look apart. or they yeah. had to get to look a certain way, uh, and I'm comfortable yeah. in what I'm comfortable in. If yeah. you wherever I'm going, if you don't accept what I'm wearing, then that's on you. I'm not, you know, naked or you're doing wearing something that doing is something outlandish. Yeah. I'm comfortable. Yeah. Um I, I think that that mentality to look your best came from I our grandparents lived in the MLK exactly. era. And even before then you, yeah. you think of you And know, their parents lived yeah. in that segregation era. Yeah. So it's like you gotta understand their parents are their parents' parents, were, mm-hmm. their grandparents, my grandparents' grandparents, mm-hmm. were freshly out of slavery. Mm-hmm. So they you had to look they a certain were way yeah. to be taken seriously at that. They point didn't time. have certain things, so it's like when they acquired stuff that meant the world to them. Definitely. And I think they were just trying to teach us, you know, the stuff isn't what makes you, but you know, being grateful for what you have because you you and cannot then have nothing. The ability yeah. to get it. That's the yeah. That's the yeah. Concept. So I think they were teaching us that. I think we just took it in certain aspects. We just took it as now I gotta have the best mm-hmm. and to by be the best by any means necessary. By any means necessary. But when you look at the 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 reversal roles, millionaires be like this. Mm-hmm. Billionaires like Bill Gates, Jay Z, he does not. He's not. Fixated. They're either wearing their own brands, yeah, or they're extremely comfortable and yeah. they're wearing stuff that they, they would probably clown them. Yeah. Where if they came into the hood or you know, but it's like I have substance and not well. I mean, they rely on their money, but mm-hmm. innately they, you know, if you rely on the point you were making, and that's kind of where I'm at too. I know me. I'm okay with wearing sweatpants or like me vans. I like wearing sweatpants. My wife hates that I wear them, but like (laughs) I have vans I've I've been having for like five or six years, and they're comfortable Mm -hmm. to me. And I'll show up to any function, even the church, you know. And it is what it is, Mm because it's like I know me. That stuff doesn't matter. But if that's how you that's how you judge me, that just lets me know Mm -hmm. that you haven't grown. Or you're still valuing yeah. something that I don't value as yeah. like the same it way you does do. not, It does not matter. I'm not bent out of any ways. And then at the same time, it's sometimes I'm just like, I got to have this, got to have that, got to right. have this. Right. But after getting there, it's like, you know what, I didn't even need that. So, like I said, I'm just, I'm learning. I teach myself purposely. I don't have to be a high beast, man. I could drink coffee from the house. I don't have to go to Starbucks. Right. You know what I'm saying? That does not matter. Cause it's like, what is that really doing for me? After I get done drinking this steamy milk with sugar, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still me. So I have to like, it helps me reassess. And then me, I got a family, so eight nine dollars every day at Starbucks adds up. Mm-hmm. Adds up, and with two little babies, a household, it goes a long way. So I have to really assess, even like in the store, do I need this or do I really want this right. so much that I convince myself that I need it so most of the time it's like no you know you don't need it it's not that big of a deal you could, you'll be alright 
you made it this far without mm-hmm. it. Why you need it now? So, yeah, yeah. The, and it's crazy that we're already talking about these things because it leads into a theme discussion today, which is patience. And um, right. like I said, I had to sit back and think and consult on it. And I feel like that is it, it's vital, especially when you're talking purpose, because it's always, especially in the church realm, it's always this prosperity, mm-hmm. you know, mantra that's taught, but it's always taught out of season. Mm-hmm. I, I believe we teach prosperity out of a season. And I think sometimes it's, it's taught out of context yeah. because the prosperity that they were speaking about in the Bible isn't necessarily the same prosperity that we look at today. Yeah, it's not access. It's 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 being sustained mm-hmm. and ability. Yeah, or you know, because you know, think about it. Back in the day, the thing that made you prosperous were you had land, yeah, you agriculturally, had yeah. you had you know cattle. Um, yeah. Now it's you have access. Access. You have a platform. You yeah. have the newest whatever. You're known. You're right. And it's I think I think those those two things do not go hand in Coincide. hand when yep. you're trying to talk about prosperity. Mm-hmm. And I'm all for um, the the church talking about living prosperously or me, you know, preaching to me about prosperity. But I also want you know I want to take a realistic now approach to yeah. we skip over germination but the thing mm-hmm. is we we follow the social constraint when we already have our guidelines exactly. and, and we try to apply this constraint with this and it should have never even it, it's a reason why it's the separation of mm-hmm. church and state because right. the, the, the you know societal views here and our societal views should be it's different right and it's blurred. We don't really talk about germination. We just talk about like the microwave sense. But if you planted a a seed before, you it's know gonna, the fruit's not gonna be there the same day you you plant. You you know it's it's gonna take weeks for even a little bud. And mm-hmm. even in that bud, now you gotta apply the right insecticides. You gotta apply mm-hmm. the right soil. You gotta angle it. All these things to for it to properly grow and. Right. When I translate that to purpose, patience is the the ringing virtue that that kind of holds everything into position. So, yeah, it's vital because yeah. you, you're not born knowing what your purpose is. Because when you're born, you you can't articulate. You can't. Your brain is not fully you're developed. Relying you, on what you're fed. Exactly. And being having the ability to work in patience is something that not a lot of people can do. Because of the generation that we live in, we live yeah. in right now. I gotta have it right now, right this moment. Whether it's you know fast food, uh, the newest thing, whatever you know, yeah. go on, buying some on Amazon, it'll be here next day, whatever. Yeah. Or in four hours. Or in four, yeah, that's that's the that's the environment that we live in, and patience is something that's not taught like it was in generations past. So Mm-mm. when we go back to you know the biblical sense, because agriculture was the biggest thing that was booming at that point in time. If you are planting something, if you are raising cattle, when the when the mother goat gave birth to the little lamb or whatever, yeah, you you, you didn't take that lamb, you oh. know, kill it and you know feed the entire family. It's immature. It's immature, and there's things that go along with that. So, yeah. same thing with with people now. If you start a business, 
you're not going to get return on your investment the same week, same day that you start that business. Oh, no, it takes you years it takes, of just it establishing takes exactly. business. And the, the, the moment you get an idea, there are things that come with that. You have to do a certain amount of work. You have to do a certain amount of marketing or networking for yep. you to get out there for you to see return on your investment. It's a validity process because mm-hmm. sometimes you can have ideas that aren't, that aren't, um, that you can't plant right now. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you could, because the soil isn't ready, the atmosphere, the environment, it might be some self, some just discipline, you know, disciplinary reasons. Mm-hmm. Like, if I want to be fit, I have to already have the disciplined mindset to get up the same time every day, mm-hmm. to have pre-planned meals, exactly. to have a pre-planned workout, to have an agenda, mm-hmm. and then to have markets in between that. So if I'm just ideally, you know, idealistically thinking through these things and try to start running with it, it's not gonna work. If it if it's not concrete in certain aspects, it's it's not gonna be valid. It'll be blown away. I have a, a friend of mine. She lost yeah over a hundred and. Depending, she jokes, but depending on what she just ate today, yeah. the number will vary. So yeah. she's she lost well over 130 pounds. Yeah, within a year, uh, she has uh, four beautiful kids, wow. a set of twins, and if I had met her and just saw her walking down the street before she had lost all the weight, I wouldn't recognize her yeah. because she her body has gone through a complete transformation. Yep, uh, face is slim. Um, her complexion, complexion is different. It's, it's, it's different. It's different. Yeah. And her story is really interesting because what really started her fitness journey was, you know, a health family or a health issue in her family. Yeah. Now it took her some time to lose 130 plus pounds. Yeah. She didn't just start working out at the gym on Monday and then on Tuesday, weight was gone. Oh, of course not. Or even in 90 days. Right. So throughout the entire process, um, she was still a mother. Yeah. She was still a wife. Uh Uh-huh. She still had a job that she had to do. But she still had a goal that was in in the forefront of her mind. And I think that with a lot of people, we – so often we want the end result without – we want to go from A to Z – Without going through B, C, D, E, F, B G. B to Y. Exactly. Yeah. That That's important. And that's one of the reasons why I think so many of us start something, stop something, start something, stop something. Because we just were developed in a culture of impatience. And we got to get it right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's that's um, that's crazy. Because what it, what, just something like that, she'll probably, you know, do it before and after. Show mm-hmm. the highlight reel. Not to say she's that type of person, but... Somebody to see that and be like, you know what? She did it. I can do it too. And on top of being impatient, we get so, we deceive ourselves. Mm -hmm. We uh, believe that if I will it so much, it'll come into fruition. But the thing is, it's not the physical manifestation of it, but the, the, the character building, the, Mm -hmm. the, the discipline building, the, the self-assessing, the, the being open to getting critic, you know, criticism that that has me put back in the challenge state to really redefine and purify some things. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we don't we don't go through that part of we don't see that part of when we're 
will bending. We just see, oh, if I believe it, it'll happen. I, I think that a lot of us don't want to go through that. Uh, you, you really take a, yeah. a deep look. Unless you are someone who has gotten to a certain level to where you crave that type of feedback, whether it be constructive criticism yeah. or being able to self-assess, the average person doesn't want to put a mirror in front of them and say, okay, yeah, um, I could do better in this yeah. avenue. I can do better in this arena. I'm, <clears throat> I'm lacking in this area and when I, I'm trying to tell everyone else that I'm strong in it. Yeah. Or when people that we have in our circles say, look, man, you you got to do better with this because you, yeah. you slacking. Yeah. A lot of us don't want to have those hard conversations. We don't want to. We don't want to say that it really is us. We want to make it seem like oh, this it's is somebody else. On me. Yeah, nobody, nobody wants to take responsibility or be accountable for the things that they do, or the the take accountability as to why they are not successful like they think they should be. Yeah, or they're just not being well off because I feel like chasing success if it's defined wrong it'll always be unfulfilling mm-hmm. it'll be this unquenchable desire it's like eating fast food and then 15 minutes later you're hungry oh yeah because of the prop the the wrong ingredients does not satisfy that desire but if you eat a home cooked fresh meal oh yeah that's, that's been prepared that's been working for a while and, in the oven you know been shared with yeah. some love you could have a third of that, mm-hmm. or even two thirds of that meal, and be like, okay, I can't eat anymore. Right. If you're that type of person, but even just eating a whole meal, it's it's the difference in being like sustained and not sustained, mm-hmm. and that's the scary part about chasing will. And what I remind myself of is, just, first of all, is this what God has willed for me? And I say that because if God has willed it for me, then He's going to obviously put me in a refining process if I'm willing Mm -hmm. and in that refining process I will learn what was meant for me to learn and I'll be able to go further Mm -hmm. and that's why I say I always sit back and consult because I'm understanding it's never it was never my job to map out the logistics Mm -hmm. it's not my job to order something from Amazon and then figure out how that package is going to get boxed what warehouse it's going to go to who's going to be the driver who's going to be carrier how I'm going to be home, the ro- none of that. Right. That was never my job. My job is to petition it, get it in a position that it's meant for me when I say petition because we, I used to petition a lot of things that was not meant for me. And if it wasn't for having a mature understanding, I wouldn't, I would have never accepted no when the Lord said no. Right. And, uh, you know, just understanding that if it's will. It'll work out in its time. All I have to do is be willing and follow the, the, the steps and the way it's supposed to go. And then on the end, I can say, you know what? I wanted this. And this is what I strategically went through. And this is how I got to live this time. I'm not supposed to. I believe that was never our agenda to logistically write out and figure out everything. Our job was to be willing, accept the, the, the test. High comes understanding that it's going to benefit us on the other end, and when it benefits us, then say, you know what, this is why I went through that. This is the purpose of that, and now I can move forward to the next thing. I feel like it's missed. I feel like that's something I learned, and in, uh, in in just the little brief stint of years I've been here, mm-hmm. the brief stint of the years I've been cutting hair, when I learned that this was willed. 
I just have to follow the will and be obedient. All the other stuff works out, and then it puts me in a position where I'm not, I'm no longer, because barbers are competitive. That's a silent thing that's been breathed and breaded in barbering. Every barber has to be the best barber. He has to be known. Everybody has to know his skill set. Well, I, I think and I it's not. Charge a gazillion dollars. Yeah, I, that's <laughs> we'll even start about yeah, that. Yeah, man. I, I think a lot of industries not yeah. and it's, it's that that mindset is not limited to barbering. Yeah, yeah. I think you find that a lot with um, speaking. Yeah, there's been yeah. some events that I've been offered and other people have been offered and I've turned down um, and somehow they found out that I was offered this much for it or whatever yeah. and they're like well I'll, you know I should be offered that much well it's not a competition man yeah. I just have negotiated something a little bit better than you at this point yeah but um, I, I have the dexterity right and I, I think also there's been when I first started I was mature enough to understand that I wasn't the best speaker in Houston or I wasn't the best speaker you know in Pearland or whatever but I did the work to not only refine the skill that I have, yeah, but to make it to where the things that I was talking about, I was actually practicing when I was preaching. Yeah, and I think a lot of people uh, see the authentic, see the authenticity that I have when it comes to the speaking that I do, and they gravitate toward that more than they would to someone who's putting on the front. Yeah, so that I think that is that's crucial. Yeah, when it comes to staying in your lane. And being okay, and not only being okay, but supporting your yeah. brother or your sister yeah. if they get an opportunity that you may not have gotten. Because like you said, this was willed for you to be in this arena yeah. doing this thing at this time for this reason. So the work itself, huh? All right. And I think instead of asking why you didn't get this opportunity, you should be asking what, what am I supposed to be doing with right this here? Exactly. And that's exactly what I did. When I finally said, okay, God, why am I cutting hair? What's my purpose? When he lined it out, I was like, okay, I could do that. And then realizing and understanding that I could do that. Mm-hmm. It's like now I can get up at any time of the day or if I'm off and I'm close by the shop and somebody needs a cut. Because now I understand that and this spills over into purpose even more. Now that I understand that I'm servicing somebody else for the betterment of them, mm-hmm. it changes the platform. It changes the view. So now I don't have to front or flaunt what I make every week or what I charge or what I do. I only simply post for a catalog because that's how I, I align myself in branding. When, I, when I'm promoting myself, it's like, oh, here's my catalog. You be the judge on if I'm good enough to service you. Right. Right, because again, it goes yeah. back to the highlight rule that we talked about with yeah. with social media. A lot of people. So when I play football, when you sent your tape for those that don't know yeah. what a highlight reel is, yeah. when you sent your tape out to a bunch of different you know colleges or you know trying to get recruited, uh-huh. you would only send yeah. the good plays the that you made, yeah, the best highlights, the biggest hits, the touchdown grab, oh, the yeah, sack, the juke move. That's inviting. Oh, exactly. That's very inviting. Nobody sees the play that you got beat yep. and, you know, um, the team scored a touchdown because of the one mistake that you yeah. made. Nobody sees the time that you made a wrong read and instead of making a 25-yard gain, you got yeah. a 10-yard loss. Yeah. You know, nobody, for offensive linemen, nobody sees the time that you 
hailed the defensive lineman. Yeah. And you cost the you, you know, nobody sees those yeah. things. Nobody sees you the game. costing the, the championship game. Yeah, nobody sees those things. Yeah. And I think that like you were talking about with, with you know, barbering, when you become mature enough, you can show people the work that you've done yeah. and not the highlight reel. Yeah. And that that's where there's a big jump. Because uh, my assistant that I have working with me, she hounds me all the time. She's like, you got to get more pictures while you're out. You got to get more videos. I was like, I don't think about that when I'm in, uh-uh. in my space. I'm trying to make sure I'm doing what I'm saying. I'm trying to be as authentic as possible and really be in the moment. You know, yeah. my wife gets on me a lot because I'll either be on my phone doing something while she's trying to have a conversation with me or while we're in the space with other people. And now, and, you know, it's become a habit that I purposefully just put my phone down and I really try and engage with what's going on. It before. sounds like my wife. Yeah. I'm coming <laughs> through the ground, but I'm like, I'm plotting and planning. Right, I'm right. not even being rude, but, you know, my wife says the same exact thing. Yeah. Verbatim. Either by, with us or mm-hmm. like we're around family. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, uh-huh. And I, I think, so we were, we were uh, you know, my mother-in-law uh, picked us up from the airport yeah. yesterday. And they were in the front, and I was in the back with luggage. And they, naturally, they don't speak as loud as I do. So I'm yeah. in the back, they're looking that way, facing. I can't hear the conversation that much. Yeah. So I'm trying to be engaged, but I'm. Yeah. I'm, I can't. I really, I really yeah. can't hear. And what's they have going a on. thing, a mother daughter. Yeah, thing yeah. And I, I get it. I get uh, it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, I'm, I was on the phone. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> that. <laughs> it, I already know how that is. Yeah, I yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> so. There, there are times, uh, you know, just trying to get back in, yeah. into it. There's times when um, I don't, I don't like to have someone that, hey, take a picture of this, take a picture of that, because I don't feel like that's as authentic yeah. as me just being there, there and in the moment. Uh, like so, for the the last Black Market Houston yeah. um, of 2018, when you know Soul Feeling Podcast was doing their live event. I was up and down doing both, yeah. trying to interact with the people on the uh, podcast as well as hosting the uh, entire Black Market event. Yeah, I didn't have anybody behind me like you know just take these Cap- pictures while yeah, I'm capturing. Know. And it probably would have looked great for my website, for you know Instagram yeah. or whatever, just to have people see you know me in the, in my element. But I would much rather you see me. Live while you're there. That's what Jazz and they were telling me. Because yeah. I was like, do y'all record it? And I was like, no, we want people to experience exactly the moment. And in that, that'll be enough to captivate them. And uh, I think Rob and I were talking about it. And we can go to break and get ready for the second part. Um, but uh, Rob and I were talking about it. And I was telling him, you know, I realized a distinctive difference from Martin Luther King and Cornell X. Mm-hmm. The message is the same. Civil rights, you know, the oppression of minorities right. is visible, but it's ignored at the same time. And we as a people got to be cognitive of it and take the necessary steps to break that barrier down, just like they did with segregation. But because MOK really practiced what he preached, when he talked about it, he never was like showboating. You have to really find videos mm-hmm. of MLK. You have to find recordings. Because he wasn't like, oh, let's do this for a, a photo op. Right. Unlike Quano X. Let's bring I'm the not, news yeah, team over. Which and, I'm know. not saying he's a terrible guy or anything. His no, but that, that's, that's your true, thing. That's your thing. Yeah. And the difference between... He, 
I don't want to call I'm, either one of them yeah. inauthentic because I think that they are doing what. But they the captivation are to be doing. is is the it's gauge. Yeah. It's the gauge, and it's like okay, Cornell. All right, all right. <laughs> to a sense, right. And yeah. for me, a a younger person in the millennial generation, like at the beginning of the millennial generation. Yeah, I mean, you learn to decipher the message, but at the same time, we're we are, we are either. We're honed in on if it captivates us mm-hmm. or if it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So authenticity is really what gauges us, mm-hmm. what 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 gets our interest. If it's not captivating, it's just like okay, he's talking about something I'm already cognitive of. Right. And so I I, I always share that with people. If it's not you and who you really are, it's not really gonna reach like it should. Mm-hmm. And and definitely, cause I mean, the message will always go forth. But the the maturity will always be the determining factor of mm-hmm. it's really like getting to the death of you or it's just like it caught me for a brief moment and now I'm back to what I was doing before. So, so you have to be patient enough to know that the work that you're doing, that you are doing, will yield you the reward or yeah. the validation that you're seeking if you just keep doing the work and you be patient. That's yeah. that's the biggest thing. Yeah. If you're supposed to be on stage in front of thousands, you will be. Keep doing the work. Be patient. Yeah. If you are supposed to be um, doing a live podcast in front of 20, 30 people expressing yourself, you'll have that opportunity. You just have to continue to do the work. Yeah. So, And if you are not patient and you start to rush things, that's when you get into a situation to where you may get what you're looking for, yeah. but it won't be sustained like it would be if you had just been yeah. patient. Yeah, you're right. All right, so we take a quick break and dive right back in for part two. Thanks, guys. What's up? Back for part two. Round two. Yeah, so we, um, part one was really good and very, very insightful. I'm learning to enjoy conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like conversations have been muted, and it's all about the highlight reel. Exactly. And those things are nice and insightful to see from time to time just to remind you mm-hmm. of the way you're walking. But if that's the content, the con- for me personally, I feel like if that's the conscious, like the consistent thing I'm doing all the time, what am I doing? You know? And I feel like you get there if you're not. You know, like, how can I say? If I feel like you can always, you'll question your life more often if you aren't re-scoping and reshaping your mm-hmm. personal view. So, yeah. I think a lot of people are getting away from, you know, genuine conversations because it, it you have to be real. Real. Yeah. And certain individuals either don't really know who they are or they even put on this front for so long. Because they don't know who they are. Yeah. I did it, man. I did it. Yeah, we all have in some stage of our life. Um, But there comes a time when the conversation just doesn't flow when you're trying to fake it. When you you are being exactly who you're supposed to be, the conversation flows. Yeah. Yeah, I realized that in just barbershop talk. Because the three topics in the barbershop is religion. Mm Mm-hmm. Sports. Sports and <laughs> either relationships. Really relationships. And so being 21, 22 in the barbershop, I didn't know too much about relationships. Right. 
I I watch ESPN. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like reels mm-hmm. to develop right. the conversation, but that didn't even last long because then it's like, yeah, man, I seen the Kentucky highlights or you know like, and religion. I still was in a stage where I was gauging my religion. Mm-hmm. If I was going to continue and do what I saw, what was politically correct, mm-hmm. or I, or if I was gonna be honest and still, you know, experiencing life, so and I was falsifying myself because I thought that's how I was gonna sustain myself, mm-hmm. and then it got bad because I falsified who I was. Then I got under the wrong mentorship, mm-hmm. under a falsified sense, so it was always a buffer because. He couldn't be authentic with me because I wasn't being authentic with myself, but right. I was trying to rehearse myself. Yeah, I was just living a big fake oh, man, it situation. Was, it was it was very, very confusing. Then I got into a point in my life where I had to say, you know what? No, me and my wife got together. We were about to have a baby, and she was like, you can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. She was like, I've known you your whole life just about. you know me my whole life, and you faking it. And if you can't be real, we need to co-parent. Because I'm not gonna marry you. Right. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I need to go back and reassess. Yeah, women, women will do that to you. Yep. Um, so, a uh, similar story that I don't, <laughs> yep. I don't tell too much. So the first time I asked my wife um, to date and just kind of start a relationship, she turned me down. Yeah. Hurt my heart. Oh, it hurt my heart. Just yep. shot me down in the parking lot of Gringos. Uh, just, just hit me over my head like a ton of bricks. And yeah. uh, the reason that I, I shot silent shots. Yo, oh no, I, I, I shot. I didn't even. I couldn't even shoot. I can't go into the whole story yeah. at this point. We've been here yeah. all day. Yeah. But long story short, I asked her without asking if she would um, like to see if we can be in a relationship because we were best friends. We had, we were doing the friend thing, going out with everybody. Um, you know, traveling, whatever. Yeah. And she was like, no, I think that we should just be friends because, you know, we are really good friends and I don't want anything to mess, to mess up. that up. And yeah. if we, like, broke up, it would be awkward. It would be awkward. Like, oh. Okay. All right. I can respect that. That sounds like friend zone one Oh, I was... <laughs> Yeah. Seat, look, first class, seat yeah. 1A in for the friend zone. A lifetime sure. member. No. For sure. And see, just to stop you, I believe the friend zone is necessary. Oh, yeah. Because a, a, like a lot of relationships, a lot of relationships, they just dive into something, whether it be because of sex or because of, you know, uh, what's comfortable or the environment they're in. Yeah. Uh, but they don't build a foundation. Because you don't want to do anything bad to your friend. Yeah. You know, you don't want to cuss your friend out or, you know, cheat your friend or lie to your friend. If y'all have a solid friendship. Yeah, and that. If y'all are just associates, you know, you can just, you know, do them however you want. But if this is like your ace, like y'all ride or die. Then you can understand and love them better. Yeah, your perspective is completely different towards that individual. Yeah. So um, she turned me down. And from the time that she turned me down up until... I asked her again a year later. I had went through a complete, I won't say complete change because I had some maturing to do, but I matured a lot in that year time frame. And then from the time that she accepted to the time I proposed to her, I had did an even more change. It was just, it was drastic. Mm -hmm. Um, I was no longer, she she would say I was the cocky, uh, arrogant football player in high school, which I was. Yeah. Um, I was a good. I was one of the 
best players on the football team. So that came with a certain amount of privilege yeah. that um, I used a lot. Yeah. And um, <laughs> she would always say that, you know, if you had never changed to being that person, then we would have never dated in the, you know, we can be friends, but we're not going to date for sure. Yeah. Um, so as I grew, I, I started to have to put others before myself, primarily my family. Uh, my mother had gotten cancer in yeah. 2012, and she had battled that for five years before she passed away. Right. And Brittany and I got into a relationship during the time where she had, was in remission, and then it came back. Yeah. So then my mom and my two younger brothers uh, moved into my apartment while we were dating. Oh. And it, even when I asked her the second time, I was like, you know, I want to date and be in a relationship. Yeah. But... It's, it's some stuff that comes with me, and I want to make sure you're prepared for yeah, that before yeah. we get into a relationship. A year prior, I would have never said that. I would have been like, we should date. Like, let's get into a relationship. And everything we find. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. No. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, that year that, took, that, that happened, um, it happened for a reason, and I'm appreciative of it because our relationship, our marriage is, is great. We have... Our good days, we have our days where we have to have tough conversations, but we're honest with one another and we're transparent enough that we're able to have those conversations. Um, no one is, no one feel. I, I believe no one feels like we're taking shots at anyone when we yeah. say certain things. Yeah, don't uproot you. Yeah, it, it, we. if she has to call me out on something, let's do it. Let's have a talk. If yeah. I have to call her out on something, it's the same way. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're good. We're coming up on two years in April. And, um, you know, it's, it's great because I made my best friend. Yeah, yeah. No, I make two years in July, and it's the same. Just in the year we've been together, and just for us, our first year we dated, found out that she was pregnant. So mm-hmm. then it was like, okay, the shotgun way. Mm-hmm. Proposed. But the thing that really kind of solidified us is that I did go to counseling. We oh, did yeah, we did too. Counseling. We went to and that individual helped. counseling. And then we went to counseling Same. together, and then we went to marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that I'm a big proponent for. Yeah, yeah. For counseling. I tell people all the time that'll either make or break in marriage. Oh yeah. And so, because it did, makes it makes you ask those tough questions about yourself, and you get to have mediators. Mm-hmm. They really talk around and say, "Hey, we were there, but this is what we did." You know, y'all really got to go home and practice some mm-hmm. of these things while you're engaged. So when you get married. It's like, okay, now we know what we can work from and build on. Right. And so, like I said, we make two years. But the the first few years in our marriage and slash relationship, we've been pregnant. Mm-hmm. Well, she's been pregnant. And this is this will be the first moment where it's like, okay, the kids are here. We're a family, but it's just really us now. Mm-hmm. And it's not the pregnant you and the the, <laughs> the hormonal know, yeah, you the outwork yeah. me to compensate it's right. really like this is you and this is me but you know those seasons and moments help solidify where we are now so I'm excited to see what we have but like I, like you like you're saying you know I can agree and attest to that that it took a lot of maturity from me and even more constant maturing because it was times you don't tell me nothing right I don't want to hear it but now it's like, okay, I have to hear it yeah. because for the sake of me and the for sake of us and for the sake of you, it's needed. And it's like, okay, I'm talking about I did wrong. I'm going to close the cabinet next time. Right. And we go back to everything signed and dandy. It was time. It was like, I don't want to talk for a whole week mm-hmm. because I'm so offended. But when I really started reshaping the view for me, it's like, you know, this is my friend. 
more than anything. Mm-hmm. And if she's my friend, I should I shouldn't want to be just like like this with her. And it helped change a lot of things. But um, back to <laughs> back to the topic of patience. Well, how do you? Well, first of all, what do you believe your personal purpose is? So my personal. My personal, oh yeah, right. most definitely. My personal purpose is to assisting other individuals, male, female, young and old, becoming the best version of themselves possible. Yeah. I do that by administering different assessments yeah. and really keeping them accountable. Because I think the accountability piece is something, especially in the African American community, that we've lacked for a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, the assessment part. When it comes to counseling, yeah. yeah, there's a stigma that's attached to counseling uh-huh. with the, with our culture that we just don't want to go do it. We go to the doctor when we got a broken arm. But we, go we don't to, go to the doctor and believe the doctor. You're like, oh, that doctor just... <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My grandmother does it, and I'm like, Granny, this man... He studied. Like, the Lord <laughs> gave him this mind to understand exactly. this. He ain't just telling you because he wants to. He's not the person oh, that Oh, that just, doctor don't know what he's talking yeah, about. He, he does. I'd be like, what? He, he's studied years <laughs> and logged countless yeah. hours... And he has chosen a specialty that is that is yeah. right in line with why you came to see yeah. him. Uh, but you just don't think he knows what you're talking about. Okay. That's a whole other conversation it for is. real. Uh, but, you know, seriously. But you're we, right. We do that. We go to doctors when we're sick. We go to the dentist when we need to get our teeth cleaned, whatever. Uh, but nobody, not, I can't say nobody, a lot of the Us. people in the African-American community do not go to a therapist or get counseling because they don't want to talk to somebody. Yeah, the connotation. Exactly. I think I think it's they feel like they're going to be judged by this person that probably won't see you outside of this yeah. space. Um, but it's it's I gotta take off the fleece now that I've yeah. been I've been you know strutting around it. Mm-hmm. You have to take off the mask that you've been and wearing for everybody else. And nobody wants to do that. I gotta be true. Yeah, there's a sense, there's a vulnerability that comes with speaking to someone that's a complete stranger, and a lot of us don't like doing that. Um, so, Mm-mm. that those are the things that uh, my purpose has been completely connected to, no matter how many times I've tried to stray away from it. Yeah. There's always someone that comes in that needs assistance with something. Um, I have, I'm the oldest of five, yeah. and to my two youngest brothers, I've been assisting with them as they've transitioned um, the middle, the older of the two. He just finished serving in the military, uh-huh. and he's trying to reacclimate to civilian life. Uh, the youngest was also a, a student athlete on scholarship. Um, he was in college while, while our mother passed away, so he's trying to adjust to that oh, yeah. uh, and being on his own, living with his brother. So it's, it's difficult for them. Yeah. Um, my two sisters... Uh, one of them is a mother, she's a wife, and just trying to, you know, talk about the different dynamics that we have in our family with the lack of relationship she has with, you know, our father and how that's affected her. And then my youngest uh, sibling is the same. Uh, younger sister is the same. So um, those are things that I'm, I'm very passionate about. While I was working with the youth department, yeah. I had sort of like those things that I was doing on a weekly basis. Yeah. Um, so th- that is where my purpose is completely connected to. 100%. Yeah. So the, the, the question I want to ask is uh, now, like, how did you develop this? How did you realize that, oh, me helping people is what I was meant to do? How did all this even manifest into now? So two things. 
um, I had to really figure out who I was. Yeah. There were, going to counseling was one of the things that helped, but taking different personality assessments and they are coming back saying the same thing. Yeah. I'm a relationship oriented person. I'm someone who likes to counsel, who likes to give advice. One of my spiritual gifts is wisdom, discernment, and empowerment. So that connects yeah. specifically with what I'm doing now. Yeah. Uh, so using the, the personal assessment and then the spiritual gifts assessment that I administered to a lot of people uh, and then connecting them and seeing a lot of the things that I've done in my past and a lot of the opportunities that have been given to me now and that I'm sure will come in the future, yeah. they're all connected to that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, since you say your spiritual gift is discernment and wisdom, how um, how do you navigate with that? Do you go and apparently not, but I just <laughs> do you go and say, okay, come on, let me counsel you, let me assess no, you, let me help no, you out? No, I don't. Um, you just kind of wait for it to come your way. No, I. So, a lot of times there'll be an opportunity where. I'll be able to speak something to someone and uh-huh. a light bulb will go off. Yeah. And they'll be like, man, I've been debating whether or not I should do this or not. And he just gave me the confirmation that I needed or whatever. Yeah. And that will stem or transition into something greater. It will transition into a console. Now, when I work with corporations, yeah, that is something where I actually go and look for that when it's a yeah. one-on-one situation it's, uh, it's, it's more uh, yeah it's, it's more of a genuine meeting and they start to whatever reason yeah we may not be we may, may be talking about football yeah. and then that that tricks some light bulb it's, it's and they're like man i wish my husband would boom, 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 boom. i was like okay well why why is this happening so the conversation will just naturally start to open, start to open up mm-hmm. and then it will It'll was that us. scary for you when it first started happening, or you were just like, okay, no, whatever it so is. So when I was immature, yeah, I swore up and down that I was a relationship guru, right? Yeah. So in college, everybody would come, <laughs> all the football players that yeah. I was really cool with, they would come you know, and to my room, and we would just talk, you know. Power. Um, and it would be nothing more than just, you know, a conversation. Uh, male and female. Mm-hmm. I have female friends in college that I would talk to and I was like, well, you know, you, you keep sleeping with old dudes. Of course you're going to keep doing this because, you know, yeah. you're not giving yeah, me anything. You can just like, give them the surface. Exactly. It wasn't until I really dig deeper by going into counseling and assessing who I am and yeah. what gifts I had that I was able to see that, okay, I'm able to give unbiased advice to individuals, whether yeah. they be friends, family, regular stranger. And whatever. that's hard to do. It it is. Uh, it I'm a football hard. fan. I'm an Eagles fan, yeah. and I hate having conversations with biased Cowboy fans because they just don't see. Okay, to stop the big. <laughs> um, no, I'm in agreement with you, but you don't even have to say bias. Just say yeah. Cowboy fan. Well, no, because there's like a handful, and when no. I say a handful, it's like a <laughs> every handful. Cowboy fan is hell bent. They are. They are. Uh, but so there's a, like so my father-in-law he's and y'all play fan. every year right yeah, yeah twice so a year America's twice a year. game yeah so they are uh, my father-in-law and then my sister-in-law they're Cowboys fans yeah my father-in-law I got some is, buddies from Triple D my my father-in-law is a realistic Cowboy fan I will yeah. give it to him he has never like the past couple of years he's never been like we're going to the Super Bowl we're going to the Super Bowl. He's always been, you know, we'll make it to the playoffs. You know, we'll we'll, we'll Maybe do Maybe get over that first right. round curse. My sister-in-law, 
she cowboy every, to year. every year. We, we make it. Not what you mean. We make every it. win. Yeah. Oh, cowboy yeah. Then my cousin, <laughs> yeah, who uh, was also my best man in our wedding, he's the same way. He only calls me yeah. during football season when the Cowboys win. And when they <laughs> and when they lose, you can't hear from him until Ball they get another win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I got somebody just like that. I got a buddy from uh, Duncanville. <laughs> I got a buddy from Soto. I got a, I got a partner from uh, Irvin. Yeah. And uh, he went to Denton. He stayed out in Denton, but he was from like somewhere in East Texas. I forgot the town. Anyway, they triple D mm-hmm. like to die, all mm-hmm. blue and gold and gray. They believe it, and every win in our group chat, they going in. They going crazy, especially if they beat the Texans. Oh yeah, I hear. It. But as every soon loss, as they lose, you can't hear. Them. I be dropping memes and everything. Yeah. It's like, bro, don't phone talk don't to me. work. Like, yeah, all that stuff. All that. So yeah, yeah. So be, being able to be unbiased yeah. is, is something that is um, critical when you're trying to administer advice because you don't want to give advice to someone so that it'll benefit you. Yeah, it's all for them. Yeah, and I think. One of the things you were talking about but prior in our first segment, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that really helped elevate you when you were, you know, when you were in your, um, when you were became a barber. Yeah. Because there's so many individuals that are looking to try, you know, take the spotlight. Woo. Yeah. And, and just sit on this pedestal and they don't realize that with them on this pedestal, everybody that could be potential customers, they're down here looking up and they're not getting assisted. So, yeah. um, a lot of the times, that's where it would stem from. Yeah. Just an organic conversation. And then throughout that, getting the different, using the tools that I've had over the years yeah. has helped me to actually use my purpose and just thrive in it. Yeah. Do you have like personal goals or current projects that you're working on? That, so, that uh, you're aspiring to do now that you know that I am gifted to help somebody? Definitely. So, the, the biggest project that I'm working on this year is a memoir to my mom. Um, it's a book that I'll be writing. It's really going to be using the... She's a journaler. Mm-hmm. So she has... See, that's what I'm doing now. I journal. Yeah. I, I did it off and on. Yeah. Um, Same. And I think I stopped around 2008, 2009. But I, this year, I'll be picking it back up. Uh, for two reasons. For the memoir, and then because I just want to be able to go back and reflect. Because that's what I would do on all my journals. In the it past. helps. It helps. Oh, you, you can definitely see the growth. Because yeah. looking back at different journals that I had, like 2006, 2007, yeah. uh, the vernacular, uh, the mindset is just completely different. Yeah. Um, my mom passed. Sorry to cut you off. My mom passed, and I was going to counseling privately, mm-hmm. never told anybody. And one thing my counselor stresses. Finding healthy vices. Mm-hmm. She said, uh, you have vices, but they aren't healthy. Mm-hmm. Drinking and smoking is not going to right. help you grow. It'll help you grow in the wrong direction, but mm-hmm. it won't help you be beneficial. She said, you know, think about journaling. Think about horseback riding. Think about being get athletic, doing something mm-hmm. every day or continuously so much that it replaces certain urges and it helps you think through. Because right. Most people' issues is they're impulsive. Yeah, and when they go to counseling or therapy, is they uh, they aren't patient enough to think through. They just say, "Oh, it's it's the issue. I need to go medicate." Mm-hmm. At least with me, that's what I did. It's the issue, medicate, issue, mm-hmm. medicate, and we never slow down enough and say, "Okay, this is here because it's trying to teach me something." Mm-hmm. But while I'm learning, I can find something to help me counteract, you know, going negative. So. Journaling was a big thing for me, and 
it was some days I was continuous, some days I wasn't. But going back and reading some of the things I documented when my mother passed, in the manner she passed, because she died unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. She was healthy and well one day, and the next day we got a call. The ambulance were at the house, and my mother was dying. Mm-hmm. Or had I already been dead. But, you know, they don't tell you that. Like, right. Ambulance and all that stuff. And being 20, I think I was like 23, 24, that's life-changing. Oh, yeah. And I'm the second out of four. The youngest is 13 at this time. My sister had turned 21 the week of our mom's funeral. My oldest brother's 25, so it's life-changing. Mm-hmm. And it took that journaling and finding healthier vices that when I got into a committed relationship, now I'm not spilling over my hurts in a negative aspect, but I'm spilling it and, and finding help. So, so I can relate to journaling. Yeah, journaling. That, that, so she was a big journaler. Um, yeah. She... So when when she passed away, we were, we were going through a lot of her stuff, yeah. and uh, there was a trunk that she had for wow. years. Uh, she has like my some of my baby stuff in there, some of my younger brother's baby stuff in there, and but she also had like every journal that she had written um, since the eighties when wow. she was in high school. Wow. So I was able to put them in kind of chronological order. Oh, wow. Up until about 2015, 2016, yeah. uh, right before she passed away. Uh, and so that's that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm gonna that's be going about through. 40, almost 50 years. Yeah. And there's... I'm So I'm 30. I'll be 31 in yeah. May. And there's a time frame or a piece of my mom that I would, I would have never known had she not journaled. Yeah. So... That is, is going to be definitely That's therapeutic crazy. for... Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, this The stack is probably about this big. And you're little, just going to do it so you and your siblings have it, right? No. So, um, it's going to be twofold. Okay. It's going to be for us, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but it's also to going share. to be able to share because with the foundation that we have in her honor, it's really geared to continuing her story and continuing her legacy because she was a fighter while she was going through cancer for the yeah. five years. Uh, we were able to, you know video journal a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff while she was going through treatment going yeah. through radiation you can see her on good days you can see when she's tired in some of the videos you can see when she's got a, a bolt of uh, yeah. uh, adrenaline and she's happy um, so being able to give that back um, this, this, we're going to sell the book and then the yeah. proceeds will go directly to the foundation yeah. um, so that's the biggest project that I have this year coming up yeah. I'll be starting that uh, this weekend yeah. going through a lot of the journals and then next month uh robert and i and uh, jo and the girls from soul feeling podcast will be yeah there. i'm gonna be at that yeah. uh, awesome. i'm gonna help promote that awesome but like i said i i'm trying to get to the point where i am branching out not to just be like oh i'm a podcast and this is my testimony of course right. not but i am keen to learning from other people because in learning from somebody else it helps you mm-hmm. and I'm all for it especially now since I'm changing vices mm-hmm. so going to events just to you know meet and connect with people and listen to their stories is helpful to me because um, it's, it's needed I feel for me I feel a personal need and desire for my daughters um, just just to think about your mom's memoir me and my wife do this you know this day challenge where we write a letter to each other mm-hmm. and we put it in the chest. And the goal personally was because when I know my wife, I can't communicate sometimes, so I write it down 
and that opens the door so we can communicate properly. But then secondly, I want to be able to show our grandchildren. And, you know, mm-hmm. my daughter's like, hey, this is where me and your mama was. And and just to kind of always have that, not to sell it, but just to share that 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 vulnerability and that that honesty and I guess just that genuineness, you know, between us Definitely. to them, will I feel like will help them when they start getting to into relationships Most and definitely. stuff like that. So, yeah, so I, that's the, that's nice. So the the event in February, uh, February twenty fourth, is the yeah. Live on Purpose event. Uh, this is I believe year two for Rob. Yeah, he's asked me to come in and and host it with uh, Jo. Um, and it's really going to be talking about a lot of stuff we talked about today. Just really yeah. finding what your purpose is. Yeah. We're going to be giving some tools on how you can do that. Um, and then he's going to wrap, close things out with a uh, presentation on purpose. And that's going to be February 24th. Yeah. The uh, link to the information is on my website, yeah. uh, adspeaks.net. Yeah, I got the flyer. I just got to put it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I put out the episode. Yeah, uh, he's, been, he's been getting on me too. He's like, man... I need uh, information. I was like, I'll give you all that when I come back from vacation. Yeah, yeah. I feel you. I, feel you. I am on vacation right now. I feel you. Um, but yeah, no, Rob, he's he's cool, cool guy. I met him at the uh, Soul Filling Podcast's uh, two-year anniversary, their live show. Um, we connected by yeah, instantly. at the black market. Yeah, same. Well, actually, actually uh, the two-year anniversary was at uh, Share Space downtown. Oh, I um, know. The black market event that was just another live show that they were doing. Um, but yeah. Oh, their first live show with the chick go G whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so. yeah, yeah. See, now I was thinking that's what the live show was gonna be, and I was like, okay, yeah, we're gonna be a closed off event like this. The people are gonna be really listening. Mm-hmm. Oh crap! You know, I was going through my head. What do I say? What I don't say? <laughs> don't just, stutter. Yeah, you know? yeah. Don't slur word. <laughs> I was I was really nervous and you know luckily it, it, it turned out show. well. It didn't show. You, it turned you, out you, well. No, yeah. I was nervous. I asked Kobe. I was like, "So what do I say? <laughs> How does this work?" And she was like, "Just be you." Yeah. I'm telling you, a lot of people are gonna love it. Yeah. Her and Jazz were telling me that, and I was like, "Okay." Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. So yeah, but now nah, that's uh, that's what's up. I look forward to that. Last thing I want to ask, and we can just go ahead and, and wrap this up. Uh. How did uh, patience, because that is the theme, how did that play an overall effect in your life, just from moving back and forth, family experiences, mm-hmm. the you know the, the cancer bit with your mom, how did patience really hone in and you know resonate in your life, especially preferring you know referring to your purpose? Well, uh, my wife will tell you that I'm probably the most patient person that she knows. And there are times when I can agree with her, and there are times that I don't think that I'm being too patient. Yeah. <laughs> but I think throughout my 30 years of living, patience has been a key component because I've always been a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And it's not my job to try and figure out why something happened in that moment. Mm-hmm. But I feel like as things are revealed to me somewhere down the line, God will give me a revelation as to why something happened. Yeah. So, short story, while I was at Blinn, my last semester there, 
there was a hold a financial hold on my account because I needed yeah. to pay some more money yeah. outside of the scholarship. That That's I had. the worst news. <laughs> so besides, I don't have no food. Right. Yeah. Those those are the top two. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it was the spring semester, oh. and I had already moved in. Oh, let's see. Into even, the dorm. It's always area. like that. Yeah. Why I is already, it like already that? moved in. I had uh, registered for classes, <laughs> and they had dropped me from all my classes. And they're like, "Well, you can re-register, but you got to take care of this hold." I was like, "Okay, well." Can I just put it on like a payment plan or whatever so that I can just get back in because I'm, I'm I'm here I'm already in you know I got football practice coming up no problem he's like yeah we just need at least like fifty bucks to get you going I'm a college student I just got back on campus I ain't got no bread fifty dollars is a lot of money. it's a lot of money when you're college student so I called my mom and she was like yeah I'll send you a check in the mail this is before cash yeah. app this is before PayPal yeah, and all that in the bank account right uh, she was like I'll just send you a check in the mail. Um, Cause this this was at this time, um, she, we had a joint account, uh-huh. her and I, uh, but she, that didn't happen until after the story plays out. Mm-hmm. So she tells me she writes the check, cool, no problem, it'll be there. She's in Houston, I'm in Brim, it'll be here in, in a day or two, no big mm-hmm. deal. So I go to the administration office, tell them uh, this is on like a, a Monday or something. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, cool, we'll give you until Friday. If we don't have the fifty dollars on Friday. Bye-bye. You got to pack up. You got to go. I was like, okay, cool. No problem. Um, so I'm not in classes yet. Yeah. I'm just chilling. I'm still going to practice. No big deal. Uh, and I have all this in my journal. Wednesday comes around. I call my mom. She's like, yeah, I sent it. It should be there today or tomorrow. No big deal. I was like, okay, cool. So I go to the administration office, tell them just to make sure everybody's on the same page. Yeah. Like, the check is coming. Because you're being an adult. Yeah. yeah the check is coming. I just want to make sure everybody knows. And y'all just like, kick me out. Yeah. Uh, so Friday comes. I've been checking the mail every day. Check didn't come. And uh, I was like, man, this is, I got to figure out how, if I can get an extension or something, because I don't know what happened. Maybe the check yeah. was lost. Maybe mom was just gassing me up and she didn't put the check in the mail. Mm-hmm. She wanted me to come home. I don't know. Yeah. So I go to the administration building. I was like, no, if we don't have the, the uh, $50 by, you know, five o'clock, five today. o'clock today, you got you to pack up. I was like, okay. So. I'm going to the. I'm literally sitting out in front of the, um, in front of the mail office. And I was like, no, we don't have anything for you. We don't have anything for you. And then uh, I go back to my room around five forty-five. No, this just no. So about five forty-five, I get this knock on my door from the uh, dorm mom. She's like, I just got this letter. You got to pack up. Oh, and no. I was like, okay, all right. So that's a gut wrench. Um, mom comes and picks me up. We go back home, and I'm in like this depression for like a month, two months. Life is over. Oh, it's this. Yeah, there's no moving forward past this this juncture in my life. I'm just not going to amount to anything. Yeah. Everything is going to be horrible. So it's crazy how we think that. Yeah, in the moment, it's it's yeah. crazy. And we're um, nineteen, twenty. <laughs> Yeah, it hasn't even started. It hasn't started at all. Um, <laughs> but that's the mindset that we have. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I before I left, we were throwing parties on campus. Yeah. That's how we made a little money. Of course. Another always. reason why I didn't have fifty dollars because we yeah. hadn't thrown our first party yet. Yeah. So I didn't we'll have any money coming three in. Three weeks. For yeah. The first party. So uh, we <laughs> yeah. start to bring that back up, and it's around March. Um, spring break party we're going to throw that so I go back to Brenham to get everything set up I'm already working in Houston at this point in time and one of the football players the kicker actually mm-hmm. he comes up to me 
when I get back on campus. He said, hey, man, I've been looking for you like the past two months. Yeah. He was like, I was like, well, what do you mean you've been looking for me? You know, everybody knows I'm not here. He's like, no, 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 man. Like, like the first week we got back in campus, I was going back up to the student center where the mail office is. And like, I just randomly stepped on this piece of mail that I guess the mailman dropped. And it just so happened to have your name on it. I don't know what it was. I've been looking for you trying to give it. I was like, bruh. Please Don't tell, tell me. me you didn't like go returning to the mailbox yeah. or nothing. You just was looking for me. Yeah, I knew I was gonna see you. Like we, we, because we did. We saw each other all the time. Whether we, he was my workout partner every every so yeah. often, um, I would see him doing walkthroughs, practice what? all the stuff. So, um, I he lo and behold, he gives me the mail and in it is a check with a letter from my mom. Hope this helps. Same date, all that. All that. I was like, oh, this is this is killer. So again, yeah. I go into this like, man. Insert. Yeah, I was like, this, this is all this is all your fault. I could have been here. And it's like, man, I'm, I'm sorry, bro. And then about a month or so later in April, because that's when I was a part of the last party that we threw there, because uh, I was, you know, working in ministry now. Yeah. Can't be throwing parties. But the um, <laughs> can't another be party. Yes, another conversation for another podcast. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> I was like, man, I can't do this anymore. Uh, I can't throw any parties. So I came back home after that last party. I realized why yeah. I wasn't supposed to be yeah. in Brenham. Because had was, I been in Brenham for yeah. another semester, I wouldn't have completely... Yeah, devoted devoted yourself. myself to the time that I spent working with the youth um, at Super Lake. I wouldn't have yeah. I wouldn't have created or been a part of the creation of the young adult ministry that was there. Yeah, and it was just would have been a ripple effect across yeah. the board. So again, I'm a, a true believer, and everything happens for a reason. I believe that my wife and I got together when we did. I believe she turned me down when she did for, for a reason. reason. And I know what that reason is. I believe that my mother got cancer for a reason. And if anybody else in our family would have gotten cancer the way that she got cancer, they definitely wouldn't have had the same mindset that she did. Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate that she's not here anymore. Yeah. But she's not lost. Right. Yeah. And her legacy will live on through the foundation and yeah. through the work that we're doing. Yeah. I feel I feel the same. That's crazy that you said all those things, but um I feel the same. Um Losing my mom, and I did pray and ask why, and uh, the Lord shared that with me because I asked, and He was just kind enough to share it with me. But I believe that in my mom going on to glory, because she's not lost, mm-hmm. it sh- it helped shape the man I am now. And then I was sharing with someone else that I really had to be honest in my faith, and I re- it really gauged, you know, my belief, and it helped separate. Being on 45 and being on the HOV line. Mm-hmm. Because that's the difference mm-hmm. when you're on the HOV. And you caught that. And so th- that was the transition for me. But if mama was still here, I'd just still be on 45. I would not be on the HOV. I would not be moving the pace I am and s- experiencing the things I'm experiencing without with her being there. Because right. she was she was my... my, um, my uh, she was my uh, my breastplate. Like I would go to her for consultation, mm-hmm. not the Lord. She was like, "Okay, God said do this. Go do this. Okay, babe, that's it." Cool. Mama said it. We're yeah. good. That's Mama all said I needed. Because Mama's, you know, 
valid. I chose. I don't have to second doubt that. I keep mm-hmm. going. She was actually the first yeah. person I went to uh, when I yeah. when I found it. Uh, Ad speaks. That's why I always say I'm the co-founder. It was, yeah. it was her, yeah. and then my wife. Um, yeah. I went to her. We were having a conversation after I did an interview uh, with a friend of mine, oh. and she was like, "Well, I think you should just turn into a business. Just do it." Yeah. She's like, well, let's "Turn into a business? What do you mean?" That's what my mom said about cutting. She's like, how, how? I was like, "How am I going to turn this?" She's like, "People do it all the time. You can, you've been you've been speaking for years. You have a uh, uh, you have a." A wealth, uh, you have an experience, you have, you know, a great resume when it comes to, you know, speaking. You just don't, you're not thinking about it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's right. She's like, well, I'm going to pray about it. So a week or two later, when I actually put things in motion, she's like, okay, so what? I didn't even bring it up. She was like, well, what do you want me to pray about for your new business? And I was like, I, I hadn't even told you I started anything yeah. yet. She was like, well, I just, I said, pray that the, that I don't lose any energy throughout this process yeah and she was like what do you mean i was like well i got all this bigger about it right now when things get tough and hard which they will with any business that happens i was like uh, just pray that that same energy that i have right now i can keep it throughout this entire process and the same thing can be said with my wife i sat down with her yeah. we were in our apartment i told her about the conversation that i had with my mom she's like yeah i support 100 percent. i think that'd be great you should, you should start so it's three folks yeah, uh, it's myself. I'm the face of the business. Yeah. Your wife <laughs> and, 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 and my wife and my mother coinciding. were most definitely. Counting most them. definitely. Wow, that's crazy. Same thing my mom said. We can do this all day. <laughs> For real, Barbara, she said you're a hustler at birth. Yeah. And if you don't legitimize yourself, you're gonna be selling drugs mm-hmm. because you like money. It's like, well, you should have told me that at first instead right. of saying go cut hair. <laughs> But, I mean, at this junction, it makes sense. But, you know, even now, I consult, you know, one of my pastor because I'm under his tutelage, mm-hmm. especially where my life is moving, and then my wife because she's my helper, so she kind of sees stuff when I can't see it. But um, Oh, they all do. They all do. Yeah. Going back to, um, you know, vigor, I feel like, and it, it, it it's hand-in-hand with purpose, patience, all these other virtues mm-hmm. and all the things that entail with purpose. Um. When you understand your purpose, you know when to go hard, you know when to back up, you know when to, you know, like... There's, can, there's a pace that's set. Yeah, you learn, you the pace never changes, right. but the stride the one that goes back it. and forth. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm a firm believer in that in every season, yeah. God will set a specific pace for that season. Yeah. And that pace may be a sprint yeah. for the next month, two months. And sometimes it's sometimes just, it's a power walk. Stop. Yeah. Sometimes it's a you know well, a crawl. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. But he's the one that sets that pace. And when I was, what I meant when I was speaking to her was, yep. regardless of what the pace is set. Yeah. And I caught that. Regardless of what the pace is set, just make sure that I I don't burn out. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like um, that's kind of what I'm realizing. It's so crazy when you actually. Sit in a sexual life mm-hmm. and be honest with where you are. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff starts to illuminate, and you oh, yeah. start to a lot of stuff is revealed. And I told somebody, you pick some, you yeah. pick the sheets up off of the bed, yeah, and you can really see what's going on. Yeah, you're not hiding stuff anymore because it, it, it's it's a sad day when you are are trying to hide stuff from yourself or you're lying to yourself about yeah. certain things. And we do that. We do. We do that. But it, you're right. And I, I was telling the coworker, I said, find your stride. We were just talking about business stuff, and I said, once you find your your stride and your pace, mm-hmm. then you'll know when to 
mask the gas or when to stop back. And I say that thinking about Kobe. Kobe knew he could have went out and been an 81-point game Kobe all the time. Mm-hmm. But Kobe was wise enough, especially in the latter years before retirement, mm-hmm. you know, I need to, you know, go hard or I need to get mm-hmm. off the gas and just stay consistent and relevant. Same thing with, with MJ. Yeah. When he was with Washington, he was older, but yeah. he still could have put up He still could have put up 50, 50 60. games, but he understood the mm-hmm. season. And he was just trying to prove a point that I can get out of here if I want to. Right. I'm not trying to bring a championship, you know. I can, but I don't have to. That's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> uh, uh, you're right. I think patience deals with knowing the, the pace and knowing the season. Because mm-hmm. everybody doesn't know the season. Even though we can become Psalms 101, being that tree planted by every life, mm-hmm. every living source, the seasons will change. Mm-hmm. Our reputation won't, but the season will change. Mm-hmm. And it will be some times where it's dry around us, but we'll still be able to bear fruit. Mm-hmm. We won't be bearing abundant, consi- no, consistent fruit when it's green, mm-hmm. but we'll still be bearing fruit when it's needed. So that, that's that's um, needed. But uh, podcast was great. I appreciate you coming by. Well, of course, man. To, Thank you for having me. See you guys on the 24th of next month. I'm excited to see what that that holds hopefully I can get some footage of it and put it up on the side. Yeah, according to uh Rob, like yeah. he was he was talking to me, he was like, Man, well we're definitely gonna have somebody recording. Yeah. Uh, so don't don't you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, like, yeah. good, I was probably gonna forget anyway. I'm not yeah, gonna yeah. <laughs> just the moment thing and try to get everybody on. Exactly. So yeah, you're right. But uh thanks once again. Uh I appreciate it. Uh, I think that's it, guys. All uh, naps matter. I'm about to go take one. They do, man, they do. Uh and it's not just about your hair. It's, it's about who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And if you realize that, then you can tell somebody else that. So that's it. thankful for that. So, yeah, guys, stay tuned. Remember, rate and subscribe. I have to know if you guys are listening. The only way I know if, if you rate the show. If it's poor, <laughs> tell me. And, I mean, it won't stop what I'm doing, but I, at least I'll know how that's you right. do That's right. That's right. So, you know, rate. Let me know. Tell a friend. Tell your mom and tell your cousins. Uh, I'll have your uh, Instagram stuff on the bio. Most definitely. For everybody so they can see it. But uh, yeah, one love. Peace.